Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first. Well, I think it's great, firstly, that we are able to meet personally face to face. That was one of the issues you know, that, that caused a bit of a fracture that we had. Pacific leaders prepared to welcome Kiribati back into the Pacific Islands Forum. Also, we are calling for um, one, the revocation and non renewal of the lease. Conservationists welcome the Fiji government's backtracking on a mangrove development. And later on, this year marks the 16th year of RSC since it was first established. Pacific RSC workers star in the new mini doco series. Pacific Island leaders meet for a special retreat in Fiji this week. The leaders from 18 forum member countries will meet on Thursday to welcome Kiribati back into the fold, discuss the Suva Agreement and mull over the implementation of the 2050 strategy. They will also talk about the treated nuclear wastewater dumping plans of Japan and conduct the official handover of the forum chair role from Fiji Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka to Cook Islands Prime Minister Mark Brown. Lydia Lewis spoke with Mark Brown in the lead-up to the gathering in Suva. It's Pacific Islands Forum Special Leaders Retreat Week in Fiji. The leaders from 18 forum member countries will meet to welcome Kiribati back into the fold, discuss the Suva Agreement, mull over the implementation of the 2050 strategy, talk treated nuclear wastewater dumping by Japan and conduct the official handover of the forum chair role from Fiji Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka to Cook Islands Prime Minister Mark Brown. Lydia Lewis spoke with Mark Brown in the lead-up to the gathering in Suva. This meeting officially marks the handover of the chair role. How significant is this for the Cook Islands? It's a great honour you know, to be able to host the forum and to chair the forum. So it's been 10 years since uh, we last uh, were in this position and I look forward to it very much. As one of the founding members of the forum, you know, we've been active in participating uh, in forum, uh, forum matters, forum leadership. Yeah, it'll be something very much I'll be looking forward to, and I think our country is also looking forward to it. Was this handover delayed, and why? Well, I think we've come through the period of COVID where there was great disruption uh, in enabling um, you know, the forum members to, to meet. That has delayed, if you like, some of the, the process that normally takes place on an, an annual basis. Uh, but I'm confident that uh, with now international travel resuming, the ability of leaders to meet face to face, we should be getting that cycle back on to an annual, an annual uh, timely event. You were meant to officially be handed over that role at the previous leaders' meeting, but that was delayed, and now you will officially become the chair at this special retreat. Is that correct? Yes. Usually, the the handover handover of the chairmanship occurs at the leaders' meetings, where the next chair. Uh, takes on the role at the completion of the leaders' meeting. But as I said, we've had difficulties with uh, leaders getting together over the last couple of years, and uh, we'll look to uh, re-establish that cycle, if you like. Micronesian presidents, they will be coming with their four big decisions that they have made at the MPS for the reforms at the forum. What is your reaction Mm -hmm. to that as an incoming chair? Well, I think it's great, firstly, that we are able to meet personally, face-to-face, that was one of the issues you know, that, that caused a bit of the fracture that we had uh, in the previous years, uh, having all of the leaders that are able to attend, uh, to be present, to discuss really, what, uh, the super agreement, 
uh, and what's required in terms of welcoming back our Micronesian family into the into the fold. That's what I'll be looking forward to at this particular uh, special leaders uh, retreat. And President Panuelo has said the forum will never be fractured again and all issues have been resolved. Do you agree with this statement? Well, it's a very good statement. One thing we have to be clear is that all of the forum, one of the things that we hold very dear is the independence and sovereignty of member nations. Uh, So we respect decisions made independently by countries, uh, but we know that as a region, collectively, uh, we can also uphold some very strong positions on a regional basis. And of course, with the the resumption of our face-to-face meetings, it's very likely that the forum will uh, not experience what we had in the past with the fracture that we had simply because members weren't able to sit down and, and talk through things the Pacific way. So I'm, I'm really hopeful uh, that the statement made by President Panuelo is a good, strong one, and I'm supportive of it. And what are your own priorities at the meeting? Well, at this meeting, it'll be, of course, the handover process. I'll also be talking about the implementation of our 2050 strategy, which is a strategy looking to benefit all of the 18 members of the forum. Uh, and how we're going to put that into practice in the coming years. Uh, But more so, I guess, it's again re-establishing the the personal connection with leaders. I was unable to attend the last leaders uh, meeting in July last year. Uh, So uh, re-establishing those close links uh, is what I'm looking forward to in Fiji. And on that note, how significant is this meeting for the Cook Islands and regional unity? Well, it's very important. You know, we we have come through a, a period of uh, some fracture. Uh, so re-establishing those ties, uh, re-establishing relationships, that's going to be an important part of, uh, I guess, if you like, the side events of this uh, of this meeting. And, and I'm looking forward. Uh, we've all come out of COVID, you know, with uh, a decreased uh, economies, with increased debt. Uh, so we're all looking to focus on regrowing and re-establishing our, our economies and discussing collectively what needs to be done and what help we can get from our international partners. Uh, these are, uh, are things that by working collectively and in collaboration uh, should be able to benefit uh, the region as a whole. And finally, Japan. Your first trip as incoming chair was to Japan. And as simply as possible, what exactly was agreed upon? Well, the, the meeting was really to convey uh, the feelings of the Pacific members uh, over the uh, proposed discharge of water into the Pacific. And what we've agreed with Japan was uh, to enter into more intensive dialogue over the coming months uh, so that we as Pacific leaders can have the assurance to let our people know that what Japan is proposing is, in fact, safe. Uh, so it's really more... Uh, dialogue, more information, uh, and sufficient data for proper analysis to be done. And who will conduct that independent verification? I know that the um, PIF independent group of experts wanted to to be, you know, at the forefront of that, and they wanted to feel like it was safe before it can go ahead. I understand that that's not the case, though, but that independent verification was agreed upon. But I just want to know exactly who will be conducting that. Well, we've requested that our uh, expert panel that the uh, the forum has put together uh, be able to provide verification, uh, as well as the the International uh, Atomic Energy Agency, 
Um, so there is a couple of steps, I guess, or a couple of verification methods that we would like to see, uh, and the use of our expert panel uh, to be involved in those uh, consultations is one of the, the, the requests that we've put through. Have they agreed upon that request? Well, they've agreed to more intensive dialogues, um, and we've said uh, what we would like for intensive dialogues. So I'll be reporting back to our leaders at the special leaders meeting on the uh, on the meetings that we had, uh, and then wait and see with the officials on any further uh, dialogue that may take place. Is there still a risk that Japan could be kicked out of that dialogue partner fold because of this? No, I don't think uh, that's a risk. Uh, Japan is a valued member and a partner in the Pacific, and we're looking to uh, assurance from them on this specific issue here. Uh, but certainly there is... Uh, um, any decision on any dialogue partner is something that's taken by the collective members of the forum, um, not anybody independently. So uh, I don't think there's a very any risk in uh, Japan being removed as a dialogue partner. A proposed tourism development that puts at risk one of Suva's last remaining mangrove areas looks unlikely to be approved by the Fiji government. FBC News reports the integrated tourism development in Nasese by Chinese company Xianlui Investment will most likely not get its five-year lease renewed in June. The Minister for Lands, Filimoni Bosarongo, says if the developers have not substantially met the lease requirements, there will be no renewal. Mr Bosarongo says what he's seen, he does not think the company take to. Mr Bosarongo says from what he's seen, he does not think the company will get the lease. Caleb Fotheringham spoke with Fijian conservationist Reverend James Bhagwan, who's opposing the bill. We take that as a good sign that the government is is speaking out to it. We have written to the um, the Prime Minister, who has acknowledged receipt of the letter of our concerns. We plan to launch a um, online and physical uh, petition drive to collect signatures in which we are calling for, um, one, the revocation and non-renewal of the lease, two, investigation on the development that took place on part of the, um, the mangrove area, which has now been, of course, destroyed. And so an investigation into how that lease and that development took place. And thirdly, for the existing or the remaining mangrove forest to be uh, made into um, a reserve of some kind uh, in order to, to protect it, given its, um, its importance uh, in the area. And since we last spoke, have more community members rallied behind stopping this development from happening? Yes, I mean, uh, we have um, the awareness that continues to go out. The um, videos that we made to uh, bring attention to these issues were, you know, have reached over 18,000 views with a lot of comments. And so we know that there is widespread community support. There is uh, concern from the indigenous community who are the traditional uh, landholders. We are assured of the support of the community. Um, we are also grateful to hear the intention by the government to pay serious attention to our concerns and to uh, um, look into this matter. Since we last spoke, you said that there had been no community consultation from the developers. Has that still been the case? That is still the case. We've heard that there are some issues or concerns regarding the company itself. 
The Fiji Labour Party um, raised the issues, I think, two weeks ago. Investment Fiji has said that they're, they were registered and they're working in this program, uh, you know, on, on the development, etc. But there's allusion to another attempt, an earlier attempt at a development project in another part of uh, uh, the main island of Viti Level, which uh, didn't go ahead or has not gone ahead. So there are concerns about whether this company is actually bona fide or in terms of what it actually is able to do, or whether it's some sort of initial investor or developer that then takes the concept and, and gets funding elsewhere, etc. So people are still trying to find out what is the real situation with the company. We've heard that um, the officers, uh, registered officers, are no longer there for this company, that they're operating from home, and that the media has not been able to get any comments from them as well. You know, this is another concern that we have about sort of fly-by-night operators coming in in the past under the previous government being able to, to get some of these things approved without any serious consultation. You know, we're still waiting to see whether the consultation will go ahead. They have said in the media that they will work around any um, any concerns that we have about the environment, but it's going to be quite difficult because most of that land is actually mangrove forest. So we don't know how they're going to work around the mangrove when the property that they're looking at or the area is mostly mangrove. It's also, I think, we, we have a lot of uh, comments from the community that this type of development is actually not wanted in the area and will not serve any greater purpose for the community or um, or the greater Suva area. There's concerns about whether this actually fits into the master plan or the greater plan that um, the Suva City Council and others have in terms of development for the city. So we hope that some of those greater concerns will be brought into account. And this again raises the, the question of how development is seen from a city level in terms of uh, city planning but also from a national level as well? Or are we having just these sorts of ad hoc developments that don't take into account our need to to care for for, for the environment? Do you think that the first initial five-year lease should have been given to this developer in the first place? No, that's my belief. Of course, uh, you know, the Ministry of Lands and Development or entities may have a different view of this in terms of development. But I think we need to start off and maintain a precautionary principle. I think that's what's missing in a lot of development focus in Fiji and around, around the region, to actually have a precautionary principle to start off with. Instead of saying we mitigate environmental impact, uh, we reduce environmental impact, we should actually, given the, the situation we face globally with the environment, with climate change, with um, you know the reality of unsustainable development that we've already seen in, in practice in the Pacific, we need to begin with how do we protect the important areas first and foremost? The fact that uh, a lease was given, the fact that a development has already started to take place in the same area, is of serious concern to. Um, you know, to ordinary citizens, to conservationists, um, to um, to a lot of people in our in our community. Obviously, it's encouraging for you and the community who are against this development to see the Minister for Lands sort of say that it's not meeting the requirement at this stage. Would you just like to see him and the ministry just revoke the lease now? 
I think that would be what we are really calling for is for a revocation of that lease. We recognize that, um, you know, government doesn't want to be seen as anti-development. What we really want to see is opportunities to have this discussion with the government, have the discussion with the developer and, you know, explain to them so that in the future, should they want to do development, they can understand where we're coming from. Uh, We're not anti-development, but what we're saying is we need to look at development from a perspective that places the environment at the center, not at the periphery of development um, endeavors. And in fact, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, the the Minister for Tourism, Deputy Prime Minister, he, he mentioned that you know, tourism and development must not come at the cost for the decimation of the environment. We have a commitment uh, in Fiji to plant more trees. We are trying to, you know, uh, do our part in terms of uh, carbon offsetting. And here we have a project that will destroy one of the most significant carbon sinks which is the mangrove in, in, the, in the area. And so, you know, we, we need to look at this from all perspectives and all perspectives really are saying no to this development project. Pacific workers employed under New Zealand's recognised seasonal employer scheme are the stars of a recently launched mini-doco series called Voices of the Pacific. Conceived by the Pacific Cooperation Foundation in partnership with Horticulture New Zealand, it follows seasonal workers from five Pacific Islands countries, from orchards and vineyards around Aotearoa back to their homes in Fiji, Samoa, Vanuatu, Tonga and Tuvalu. The first episode of the five-part series released last week, with a new one dropping each week via the New Zealand Herald, Talanoa Voices of the Pacific, as well as the Horticulture New Zealand and Pacific Corporation Foundation websites. I spoke with the Executive Director of the Pacific Corporation Foundation, David Mayafi, about the importance of having this space for our RSC workers to be able to tell their stories. This year marks the 16th year of RSC since it was first established. Um, and, you know, the scheme has been you know, wonderful for the Pacific uh, for the people of the region that have been able to come here. You know, initially started off with about 5,000 people, and now we're up to 19,000 um, capped for this year. But, you know, with all the, the negative publicity that RSE has had, you know, from a few, from a small number of employers as such, you know, it's, it's important that New Zealand understands why, you know, our Pacifica people um, have taken on this, this journey and supported RSE because... You know, they're doing it for, for, first and foremost, their families. You know, it's their you know, families, their villages, their communities, their districts, their nation. And, you know, and this, and these are stories that New Zealanders have no idea about. They don't, rea- you know, they, they don't realise that the, the pay packet that they get here in New Zealand and what that translates to back home when they return home and the, the benefits that it gives back to their families and their community. And your project, tell us a bit about it and, and who you've been following and some of the amazing stories that will be available for people to see. We came up with this project idea to tell the, the narratives, to tell the stories and focus on workers from the first five countries when the, when the scheme started. It's Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, Vanuatu and Tuvalu. There's, there's also a Kiribati story in there as well. But these were the original five nations, and that, you know, to tell of their journeys, and you know, and as you'll see in the series over the next five weeks, is that you know, you'll laugh and you'll cry as the workers tell their stories because 
you know, some very touching moments and that and the connections that they've made. You know, it's really important because New Zealanders don't understand how vitally important the Pacific region is as New Zealand's third largest export region in the world, but also the value that uh, Pacifica workers and that add to the economy. You know, the um, horticultural industry economy is around about $11 billion export economy, which is huge. And RSE workers contribute greatly to that effort. Where can people see this and when can people um, see these stories? Yep, so, so these stories will initially be launched on the Talonmore pages of the New Zealand Herald online um, and that, but then it'll be also be, um, as each story comes out, it'll, it'll appear on our website, uh, www.pcf.org.nz, as well as Horticulture New Zealand and other partners uh, in the project. So, you know, it's, we intend to, to share these stories as widely as possible so communities can understand especially those in the regions that these workers work in, like the Hawke's Bay, Bay of Plenty, Marlborough, and, and so forth around the country. You know, these people are part of those communities and part of those cities and part of those towns, you know, so they're an integral part of the horticulture industry. Totally get what you're saying. Uh, so much that we've seen in terms of transformation within communities back home in the islands from the access to these schemes and, and uh, just looking at the queues that form outside of immigration buildings for passports, for permits to get involved in yeah. this, you know, you can really see how important it is to Pacific peoples to come and work. Um, yeah. uh, talking about, of course, addressing some of those issues that you mentioned in, initially, how important is it also, and maybe in your storytelling, have you come across like getting it right and making sure our our people are treated well and are looked after well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's really important that, you know, the Qs understand that in the very beginning, this was a partnership that was created between the growers and the Pacific countries themselves and the governments became involved. You know, it's 16 years in the making and things change. So it's very important that, you know, the, the program evolves with the changes and with the demands. Um, Pacific workers are actually at this very moment in in a very powerful position because they have options. There are now, Australia has their palm uh, offering, offering the same sort of benefits and that to, to workers in the region by giving them an option of residency. So they have options now to, of where they can go. And But if New Zealand wishes to maintain that relationship, maintain that steady, strong workforce, and that then it has to, you know, evolve the program to... Yeah, everyone benefits, but especially the workers. You know, and so we've been we've been you know talking with other people in this space about what other opportunities there are for added value, education, micro credentials, and other things as well uh, for the workers that come here. Looking forward to more of that work and and when it becomes available, talking a bit with you guys about that as well. Thank you so yeah. much for your time, and I look forward to watching the series myself. Wonderful. Thanks, Troy, for your help. Cheers. Cheers. This interview was recorded before ex-tropical cyclone Gabriel brought havoc to the upper and central North Island. The RNZ Pacific team is committed to bringing you the latest information about our Pacific IRC workers in Hawke's Bay and affected regions. For the latest information, please listen to our news bulletins and check on our website, rnzi.com. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Bukimufala next time more.